0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Taryn, Joe, the NHL playoffs are underway. The Flyers are not in those playoffs, as we all know. No playoff hockey in Philadelphia. Uh, The Flyers have not made the playoffs in consecutive seasons since... 2010-11, 2011-12. So now that we have seen the playoffs get underway, some really, really compelling games, uh, entertaining games, teams that look like they are very good and in top shape and ready to contend for the Cup. Seeing that, what do we think the Flyers were really missing? Now that we've seen the Flyers over the stretch of this disappointing season and now that we've seen these contending teams get underway when the games matter most, The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: This is it, we've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex
2: dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express.
3: Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: What are the flyers missing most? Taryn,
3: in your mind, what do you think it is? Tending defensive structure consistency. Um, depth constant contributions. Um, first period effort. And um, I think that about does it. Yeah, uh, I, it's, it's It's, it is just astounding because last year we felt like we were maybe one piece away from really, truly being a cup contending type of team. And this year you feel like you're four or five pieces away from being a playoff team.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. So, but that's the, that's the thing is that when you watch, it's not like, like whenever I watch these games, I sit there and I think, well, Brian Elliott couldn't play. In like an entire series like this he's not really meant to do that anyway and you know even though people say that there's like no defense in the north like they do actually play they do have some defensive structure on some of these teams and you just think about like the flyers defensive structure against some of the point totals that some of those players are able to put up and you it makes your head spin um and then the one thing that jumps out for me that, I mean, it jumped out all season is that last year, the flyers depth pieces started to catch up to their leaders. And then in the playoffs, it was more their depth pieces contributing even than their leaders. And it seems like you just, you need everybody to find that next year. And this year they like, couldn't really even find drive. So it kind of was a lot. I just, I don't know that there's one thing that stood out to me. The one thing that stood out to me was that feeling last year, of being one piece away and this year from a contender and this year being a few pieces away from, from being um, like passable at the playoff level. I just don't think they would, they would even look up to par with any playoff team that made it this year.
0: Yeah. The contrast from this season to last season with the flyers and where we thought they were, um, is, is pretty large. It's just, it's crazy. It really is crazy to think where they've gone from last season to this season. Joe, in your mind, seeing these playoff teams, uh, where do, what do you think the Flyers were simply missing right now?
2: Jordan, in different games, as I was watching, particularly yesterday, different pieces of different games were standing out to me. So um, when we looked at Vegas and Minnesota yesterday, going into overtime scoreless, I thought to myself, could I picture the Flyers, shutting out a team for three periods, any team. And the answer is no, um, with the way they've played. Um, The goaltending wasn't good enough. The defense wasn't good enough. Another thing that stood out to me in that game yesterday is the value of a guy like Alex Petrangelo, a number one D. He was awesome in that game for Vegas yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I don't think that – I don't want to say he didn't live up to his expectations on this season as a whole – But I I don't think they were what – maybe what Vegas anticipated. Um, But he was awesome yesterday, and you saw the value of a guy who's a number one, who has that experience. He's a Stanley Cup winner. You saw the value of that in that game yesterday. Fast forward the last night's game. Um, The skill that was on display in that Tampa-Florida game one – I just – I found myself thinking I don't think the Flyers could beat either of these teams once in a series. Um, and last year, I know on pre and post during the bubble, we had a lot of discussion about can the Flyers survive without their big guys really putting up a lot of numbers? Because as Taryn said, their depth pieces kind of caught up to their top-line guys. Look at last night. Nikita Kucherov hasn't played a meaningful game in eight months – and he came out last night in game one of that series. He was the best player on the ice, and it wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Two goals and an assist. Um, he makes that fake shot pass on the Braden Point tying goal. Uh, like, he's played every game this season. It, it There was no signs of rust. There were no And that goes for Steven Stamkos, too. I know Stamkos has only missed about three, you know, three, little over three weeks. But – we saw that with Tampa last year. He missed a ton of games and he came back in the playoffs and, you know, it was a little slow going, but that skill was there. So I just think that skill level and speed, speed for sure. Something that I, I think the Flyers are lacking a little bit. Both of those teams in that game last night, I felt like I was, I couldn't even keep up with them and I'm just sitting still watching the game and, um, you know, and, and, and despite the amount of goals that were given up, there was fantastic goaltending being put by both Sergei Bobrovsky and um, Andre Vasilev- Vasilevsky in that game last night. So, you know, when, when you pull different pieces from different games, it's like top D, defensive structure, great goaltending, tremendous skill, top-line production. There's a lot of things you can pull that the Flyers wouldn't be up to par with with any of these teams that are playing right now.
0: Yeah, and I remember uh, at the end of uh last playoffs when the Flyers uh got eliminated in game 7 to the Islanders in the second round, um, a lot of people thought the team was lacking speed and um and Chuck Fletcher, general manager of the Flyers, came out at the end of the season and said, "Well, yeah, like well when you lack defensive structure and 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 the and the Islanders were consistently putting pressure on their D to turn to turn and play the puck along the boards and um, they were kind of um, getting the flyers to make mistakes. Uh, you start, you suddenly don't look fast, but when you're playing a clean crisp game and you're doing the things that make you a, a well-balanced team uh, you suddenly look faster. So uh, when the flyers were so um, they weren't de- defensively structured this year, as we all know. So they certainly looked like they, the game was being taken to them and they certainly didn't look fast uh, for me. I'll say the one thing I've noticed is just confidence Uh, I know sports and in in sports confidence can be a cliche or it's a funny thing that we talk about a lot, but you can't always see it, but sometimes you really can see it. I think the Flyers just lacked so much confidence this season when things started going South. Uh, And that started really in March. You could even say it started in late February when they went through COVID um, the COVID shutdown, but the Flyers, I think just fault their confidence a lot this season. And when teams are fighting confidence, uh, you see things really derail. You see things unravel. I think these teams in the playoffs have confidence. They are teams that believe in themselves. They're teams that proved it in the regular season, and they're going in truly with an inner belief that they can win. And I think the Flyers just really fault that. At the end of the day, these are human beings. I know they're they're uh, professional athletes. They're, they're playing at the highest level in the sport. But uh, March was just so damaging and so – Uh, such a fight for them in terms of the amount of games they played, the number of games they played and also uh, how difficult things were when their goaltending started to slip and then everything unraveled. I just think they never, ever got their confidence back. Whereas last season when they started rolling, they were a confident team. They had swagger. They had moxie. They believed they could beat anyone. I just don't think that was there at all. I think confidence is a big thing in the playoffs and that's what I think the Flyers were missing, uh, Absolutely. This, this
2: season. Hey, Jordan, I'll just point out another interesting thing. Like if you look at um, a guy like Ryan McDonough on Tampa, Tampa a veteran defenseman who I'm sure himself would tell you he's not the player that he was when he was the top defenseman on the Rangers, but look at the play he makes on the game winning goal last night. And why is he able to be that player? Because he's playing with Victor Hedman. he, the value of a top defenseman shows itself in almost every single game in these playoffs. Ryan McDonough is probably not a top pair defenseman anymore, but he can be a top pair defenseman when he plays with a number one defenseman. And, you know, these are all things that that the flyers are missing right now. Um, and I just thought that that play stood out to me last night. And again, McDonough is a playoff tested veteran. Um, He's won a cup, obviously. He played in the finals with the Rangers. And I don't think he's gonna put a value on those kind of things at this time of year.
0: No, you really need those guys. Top pair D-men, as we know, in playoffs, their minutes go up, their roles expand, um, and the experience is just absolutely crucial. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, Terrence, staying on the topic of kind of what the Flyers were missing this season, we know they did not get the Nolan Patrick that I think a lot of people were hoping for. Uh, If you look at his numbers, you look at his production, um, we know what he went through uh, going into this season. He had gone over 650 days without playing a game. Um, He's coming off missing all of 2019-20 because of a migraine disorder. So Nolan Patrick is a big topic of discussion going into this offseason. He's a restricted free agent. He needs a new deal. There's the expansion draft. There's a lot here at play, Taryn. How much are you using patience with Nolan Patrick? Or do you think patience is starting, is starting to run thin here uh, with the 2017 second overall pick? Well, it
3: seems like the Flyers are willing to be patient with him. So their patience is not running thin. I think it's an understatement to say that a lot of the fan base, I think is a little bit done with the experiment. I don't hate the idea of giving him another full training camp because we were talking about this on the last podcast is none of us really know what, what anybody's off season looked like this past year, but especially Nolan's, it was like shrouded in secrecy. We saw that he was scrimmaging at one point midway through the summer. And we were like, Oh gosh, he's going to play again. We don't really know what he did this summer. So I am open to the idea of like, you know, giving him another qualifying offer and not paying him a ton of money and seeing what he can do this year. I am, because the last thing you would do is like, you know, let him sail off and then find success somewhere else. God forbid. The problem that I have, and Joe and I, we would talk about it in the newsroom and, it was a problem, an issue that I felt they had all this migraine stuff before any of it back in like 2018, 2019, is that it seems like when Nolan struggles, they give him more power play time. <laughs> and I understand wanting to get a guy going. I do. But when you, when you got a player who's got like the fourth worst plus minus in the entire NHL at different points, he was like number three, number four, number five. And I haven't checked at what he ended at this season, but it was One of the worst plus minuses in the entire league. I don't, I don't understand. I just, I don't know. And I know the guys like him and, you know, I think most people want the best for him. I would love to see him have a great career in orange and black. I'd love to see him come back from this. I mean, what a story it would be because no one's really, experience anything like that and and we everyone loves a good redemption story but i do have to wonder when you have a player who's struggling as bad as he is and you know it's kind of night after night after night and then he's getting power play time in front of you did that i mean i don't know i'm not in the dressing room the way that we would normally be and you can generally get a much better feel even if we can't talk about it on television you can get a better feel for context um, like what's going on there. And we had no connection to any of that this year. So it's, it's hard to say, but I did, I was always like, my patients always ran thin with the, the amount of power play time, especially when there were like, you hate to say poor effort plays. Cause just him getting out there and playing, you could argue is good effort, but like, mm-hmm. that's, that's not what the national hockey league is. If everyone's being honest with themselves saying, good job, you got out there, you know, that was, that's the right step one. So I'm willing to acknowledge that as step one, he played a full season, which is a massive step in the right direction, but you've got to wonder if next year, if he doesn't improve, like, are they going to keep him on the power play all the time, you know, and who are you taking minutes away from at that point? The power play was an absolute momentum killer for them at certain points in games. And I don't know how often he was on it while that was happening, but I would imagine his time on ice during those power plays that would be there. So that's where my patience runs thin. is that I, I kind of am like, is there a side to this experiment that we don't know about where they're like, Hey, this year we, we, at some point, the playoff picture was so far gone. We just figured let's get them going. Let's get them going. And then I, I could, honestly kind of respect that but I, like I said if they want to acknowledge this year and it seems like they did as as a good step one he made it through the year I don't think it's something that like Philly fans specifically really uh react well to that kind of assessment but if it's the start of his redemption arc then I'm here for it but I think most people are kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. That's where we're at.
0: Yeah. And you and you really can't fault the Flyers at all in this situation. They, I think, and Taryn, you alluded to it, they did everything to try to get that kid's confidence going, to try to get him feeling good about himself. They had him on the power play for a long, long time, even when he wasn't producing. They put him at right wing with Kevin Hayes' line. So they even got him away from the middle and said, Hey, go play with one of our better centers and maybe get a pointers or a goal and do something there. Um, they they had him go very early in shootouts even uh, when you yeah. made a case for other people. So they tried to get him, you know, maybe get a shootout goal and get your confidence going. And you started seeing him losing those those roles down the stretch at, at, the, t- at the remainder of the regular season. At one point he was a healthy scratch. Um, at one point, uh, in I think in the Flyers final shootout win, it went about six rounds. They had Ivan Promorov go before Nolan Patrick. Nolan he didn't even take a shootout shot. Uh, and yeah. then he even lost some power play time. So I think you did see, Taryn, you saw some patients running thin there, and you saw them being open and willing to trying other things, giving other people shots. So they did everything in their power to really give him
3: Yeah, I mean, go. they they talked the talk when it came to him, especially it seems like AV talked the talk and walked the walk. Mm-hmm. The thing that was interesting is I felt like – and I could be – it could just totally be perception here. I felt like his opportunities in those specific situations seemed like they minimized, as they wanted to try to see what young guys could do towards the end of the season. And to me, it's like, all right, well, if this was a typical season
2: and you're not yet
3: eliminated and you're not yet calling those young guys up just to see what they can do is Nolan still getting those, roles you know i just i i don't know but the thing is like i said the whole the whole part of the story that's difficult is that one part of me wants to talk about it from a very human approach where you know what good on him he it's not hard it's not easy to play in the nhl nonetheless sit out for a year deal with a mental disorder that affects you physically and then come back and play a full nhl season so good for him like i i don't know that some people believe that that would really work out this way The other part of you has to sit there and try to approach, put yourself in the mind of people in a front office and say, we spent the whole first part of this podcast talking about places the team needs to get better. Wherever Nolan Patrick was out on the ice that night generally was a place that he needed to be better. And that's that those things can both be true and it can be difficult to talk about them at the same time, like in one breath because they're two different, storylines operating against each other at the same time. You just hope that, like I said, step one of the redemption arc might not have blown anybody away, but you just got to hope that that's what that is. I think,
2: you know what, Jordan, I found very revealing the, the, um, the kind of exit interview pressers that the flyers did the day after the season ended. And Taryn, and I, Taryn and I talked about this on the last podcast. The, the fact that when Chuck Fletcher was asked about Nolan Patrick, he said, basically I think it's an accomplishment that he just made it through the season. And I thought to myself, why, why is that? Why is that considered an accomplishment? And then Nolan kind of alluded to that maybe he was a little hesitant. And these are not things that we heard during the season so much. So I would say. If both of those things are true, that they consider it an accomplishment that he made it through the season, almost that, I don't want to say they expected him to get hurt, but it was reasonably possible that he were, w- would experience some symptoms again. And um, then maybe this full offseason and a full training camp and those kind of things will get him back to being the player. The fact that he made it through a season, maybe that's a building block, regardless of the point totals or any of those sort of things. Maybe that's a building block going into training camp, you know, at the end of summer or September Um, for Nolan, for the team. So maybe, you know, you make a qualifying offer. This is still a young player with plenty of room to grow. So I actually felt a little more encouraged about Nolan after hearing those press conferences the day after the season and kind of the way they, you know, they viewed it as an accomplishment that he was able to play the season healthy. Um, because we hadn't heard that, you know, there was never really a discussion like, okay, what's Nolan's ceiling this season, just making it through the season healthy. And that's almost the way they couched it that day. And, um, I don't think that's anything we heard before. And we, we didn't hear a ton from Nolan during the season regarding his health. So, um, you know, I, I found that to be, a, that's a very, to me, a very interesting storyline heading into the off season and into next season is uh, Nolan after a healthy season.
0: Yeah. That's why I think the t- time is certainly ticking, but I don't think the clock has really struck midnight yet on Nolan Patrick in a Flowers uniform, but yeah, time is, time is definitely um, starting to tick for sure. And uh, but Like, I think there was a hopefulness about Nolan Patrick going into this season. But like you said, the expectations weren't crazy high. I think when you saw him being ready to play the season, there was, oh, could we get Nolan Patrick back to the way we think he is? But at the end of the day, you have to understand, yeah, he's coming off of 650 plus days without playing an NHL game. Uh, The all season and the time of the schedule in terms of the, uh, you know, critical dates within the NHL schedule, totally out of loop. It's a cram season, shortened year. Um, So everything was kind of working against him, and there was a great unknown of how it would – how the season would unfold with Nolan Patrick. And now I think is – you know, a lot of people thought that this season was the prove-it year for him because it was the one-year deal. Uh, But I think this season, this will be the real prove-it. We're going to really know about Nolan Patrick. It's going to be a full-off season for him to train and feel good. Uh, the Flyers are going to get back to normal, hopefully with a normal 82-game schedule. Um, everything is kind of aligning back to normalcy and giving Nolan Patrick that, that official runway of, hey, show us what you can do here. Uh, that's when I think we're truly going to learn about him and know about him and where he may stand, because this truly, to me, is the prove-it season for Nolan Patrick, 2021-22, um, and a lot like the Flyers. A lot like the Flyers, there will be no excuses Um, after this season uh Taryn I think you can certainly agree with that right
3: yeah I just wanted to add the one more thing on the Nolan subject because it's something that like he doesn't talk about but um and I don't think the team has always been felt comfortable addressing it but it's like worth noting because I think most people think like yeah he didn't play hockey for 600 some odd days the other thing is is that like for, I mean, I know I don't have migraine disorder. I get migraines and I had heard through the grapevine, some things about like what he was really dealing with and how debilitating it was. It wasn't like he wasn't playing hockey for 600 some odd days, but he could skate and he could practice. It was just that he couldn't get hit there. Like if you ever, if you know, someone who has really terrible migraines, to the point where like you can't be in light, you can't listen to sound, you have to lay in a bed with like your covers over your head so that you like, you don't hear or see anything. Like it wasn't just 600 some days he didn't play. It was like 600 some days and we don't know how many hundred of them he was like in a, in a dark room trying not to have a headache. Uh, so, and as a person who's down next to ice, like the glare, I can't tell you how many games I would go home and have to like, pump ibuprofen or um, excedrin because the glare of the ice gives you headaches and this crowd noise gives you headaches like all of it i can't i just think it is worth pointing out for people who are like i don't care about one more training camp which i i understand like those people who say it and why they say it it's a professional sport at the end of the day but we're not talking about like a kid who was just bag skating the whole time and was even in hockey shape before the season began we have no idea how bad it was for how long. And I don't know that we ever will. I don't know that he'll ever want to talk about it, but I, I had heard last year when things were happening and I had been at a couple of this, this skates where there were scratches that he were there, that he was there home and on the road. And it was not an easy process for him to get back into shape. Like it was and to the, not just like cardiovascular wise, like the way it would impact his whole body um, was not an easy process from my understanding and things that I've been told. So we'll see where that goes. But I think like you were saying, most people I think thought that his whole career was going to be defined by this year. I think that would be the case if he couldn't get through the year. Now that he got through the year, I think the quality of the rest of his career will be defined by the coming season. So
0: Perfectly put, Taryn. Like, th- th- yeah, that's how much he went through, and that's why it- it's okay to be patient still. Like, he's 22 years old. He's 22, and he just came off just a crazy year, um, a recovery from something very serious. And, again, I think that's last, this season, this past season was more a hopefulness type of season. Now it's going to become more of a prove it type of thing with Nolan Patrick. Um, but I don't think the Flyers are quitting on him by any means. Uh, we'll have to see where things go. This offseason, it'll certainly be an interesting offseason. Um, Nolan Patrick called it the most important offseason of his life, obviously from, for him from a conditioning standpoint and getting ready uh, for a very big year. Um, but again, 22 years old, kid that's been through a lot for sure. That kind of leads perfectly into our cold brew check presented by Duncan. We heard a lot about Nolan Patrick's season, what he went through, how challenging it was for him. Um, and the Flyers had to give reasons for why they disappointed this season Uh, at exit interviews. When the season doesn't go well, a lot of it's talking about what went wrong. Why do you think this happened, um, et cetera. I think there was a, it kind of became a polarizing debate among Flyers land uh, after those exit interviews. Were they excuses from the Flyers or were they valid points? Uh, Was it one or the other? Was it between? So here's our cold brew check presented by Duncan. Taryn Hatcher, are you buying or not buying the Flyers' theories for why they had a bad year? Do you think it was more excuse um, or do you think it was more valid point?
3: Uh, I, I think it's valid, but it feels like an excuse. Right. <laughs> that makes any sense. I totally agree. And the thing, the thing that's interesting is, is that, like, when you look at teams that are building, that have a lot of hope, right and they you're selling you're trying to get people to buy in on the future the flyers thought they were beyond that last year so then they ask people to take a step back and try to buy into the future again it's kind of hard to convince people of that's how i feel about the whole situation where but at the same time like i, I sit here and i've i've heard about what restrictions were like in canada especially this summer and how off, like Ivan Provorov's off-season training is like legendary. If you know people who know about it, it's, it's backbreaking and incredible what he does in an off season. And apparently he didn't get to do any of that this past season. And a lot of that does impact how much you set yourself up for success or for failure. I know at some point in the season, they say that like you figure out or you don't, but like, I think you look at a player like Travis Konechny and I thought he played his way into shape or into game speed toward the end of the season after the COVID break. But even TK, when we talked to him on like media day before the season, I remember thinking like, Oh, you didn't really sound too (laughs) reassuring about the way his off season went. But I, when you look into it where he was at and what those guys had to say about like renting rinks and working out is none of it was easy. None of it was normal and none of it was even always accessible. So I I understand. Uh, it just is if they had struggled last year and then they'd struggled this year, I think it's a little bit easier to buy what they're selling. I think what they're selling is still explanations that have a lot of substance to them. It's just hard to convince people to buy them right now because of what they were able to do last season. So I, 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 I just, I think about how hard like it is for me to just go to a normal gym right now for an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm like, how can I really judge anybody who has to then pay money to rent a rink? So no one will go like, and you can only skate with so many people at a time in certain places and you can't live. You can't do that. You can't do that. Like it makes, it makes sense. It's annoying that it makes sense though. That's where I'm at.
0: No, I I totally see what you're saying, Taryn. And and to me, those actually interviews after really bad seasons are kind of no-win situations to me. A lot of fans and a lot of people, and understandably so, frustrated people that uh, want to see this team contending and going for the cup. Uh, They've gone through a lot uh, over the last decade. Um, Those people are demanding answers, right? They're like demanding answers. We want answers for what went wrong. Why did this happen? So on and so forth. Then when you give a very honest answer, it sounds like an excuse. And, the, and, the, and people get really for, oh, well they're making excuses. It's almost a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation there. Um, to me, I want honesty in those situations. I'm glad the Flyers kind of opened up about, okay, here's why we think we fell short. Um, COVID really was a challenge for us. We didn't respond to it well. Uh, we didn't have a lot of practice time. Um, like, I, like That's probably how they deep down they feel. They feel like they didn't have a lot of practice time. They went through COVID uh, the Canadian players struggled in the offseason. Like, I do want to hear that. I'm glad they were honest about that. Um, so for me, that's how I felt. Uh, do I feel like they're going to all of a sudden be a Stanley Cup contending team again with normalcy? I, I don't know yet. I'm not, like, They need to prove that. But the realities of the world through this season um, were prevalent. And we we all know what they went through. So some teams fared a lot better in it. Other teams didn't. The Flyers were one of those teams that really did not. Um, but I'm okay with them being honest. Uh, I don't think they're saying it's an excuse. They're just trying to be forthright and, and and trying to give us a glimpse of, hey, here's what I think went wrong and why. Um, but I will say the pressure is certainly on the Flyers in so many ways going into next season because a lot of the vibes around the, the exit interviews was – you know, the year wasn't normal and it was really difficult. And that's why we struggled. We believe in normalcy that we can get back to where we want to be. Obviously the off season is going to have a major, major impact on where the flyers go, but they really believe with normalcy, they can get back to doing what they believe they can. Boy, the pressure is on the flyers because there will be no excuses if the NHL gets back to normal and we're expecting it to get back to normal. Joe for were you buying, uh, the Flyers' reasoning for why their season went wrong, or are you not buying it? Do you think it's excuse?
2: Well, I, I think it's a factor because we've heard all year, you know, the teams that have dealt with COVID, you know, player A had symptoms, player B didn't have symptoms, player C had severe symptoms, player D didn't know he had it. So it affects everyone differently. And I think just in that um, – just as it affects everyone differently – I think the recovery from it affects everyone differently. So, yeah, you can, we can say, okay, the Bruins were better after COVID, but we don't know how many other guys were, had severe symptoms, any symptoms. We don't know all that stuff. So um, it affects every team differently. I'll say the optics on the surface of saying, you know, COVID, no practice time, and this and that, when other teams – like Boston, for example, got better after their COVID. Don't look great, but again, we're not we're not in the trenches, and we're even less so in the trenches the way we can cover the team this season. I mean, COVID derailed Vancouver Canucks season. I mean, they're playing meaningless regular season games still while the playoffs have started. Um, so you have every team's experience with this has been different. Every guy's experience with this has been different. And, you know, you have uh, uh, guys like Travis Konechny, whose girlfriend's pregnant, I'm sure had a different experience than um, somebody who's single living alone or somebody like Drew who, you know, has a young kid at home. It's it, everybody's life situation means that their COVID situation is different. So, you know, it affects everyone differently, but I do think that people's reaction is based on the optics of just, you know, if all things are created equal, then this team got better. This team got worse. This one's complaining that they didn't have practice time. This one is, you know, uh, a Stanley cup contender. And that doesn't look great. But when you get a little deeper into it, you know, there, there's – there's some room for discrepancy from team to team.
0: 100%. And I think a lot of people were a little upset when Alain Vigneault said, give me a normal year. But to me, like, he's got, an, he's got a point there. His two seasons in Philadelphia were obstructed by COVID-19. Now, yes, everyone is going through COVID-19. But it's true. Like, Elim Vigneault's time in Philadelphia – First year, really, really good. Jack Adams finalist. And then, boom, seasons brought to a halt. They finish in a bubble. Um, totally different. Second season, shortened year. Uh, everything's different. So, his two seasons in Philadelphia have been impacted by COVID 19. And I think he was just being honest, saying, hey, give me a normal year and let's see what we can do. Give me normalcy and I'll, I'll show you. And Let's be real. The guy's done it. If you look at his track record in normal years when the world is normal, he's had uh, some pretty good success. So like, I I understood him there. Um, They know they fell short. I think we can admit like the Flyers know they fell short in so many ways. They give it the most goals in hockey. They had the worst save percentage in hockey. Um, They fell short, but when you want reasoning, they give it, you got to kind of take it with context. I think Taryn
2: well, Jordan, I actually had to, to comment on what you just said there about Elaine Vigneault not having a normal season here yet. When we, These teams were talking about Tampa, Boston. John Cooper's been in Tampa for a while. Uh, Bruce Cassidy's been in Boston for a while. Look at their goaltending. Vasilevsky's been there for a while. He's had normal seasons. Tuka Rask has been in Boston forever. He's had normal seasons. Um, you know, there's not a lot of teams with the situation coach and goaltender like the Flyers have had Carter Hart hasn't played a normal season yet. Elaine Vigneault hasn't coached a normal season yet. So that, that, that's a bit of a rarity. I mean, you look around the league and that's not, um, the, the, the teams that are, are, have excelled during COVID-19, um, have consistency generally between the pipes behind the bench um, with normal seasons under their belt. And the flyers don't have that. Hmm.
0: Taryn, you were giving me a thumbs down for a second. I want to, I want to hear what you have to say. Oh,
3: well, it was just the thing, the thing that I think, um, again, I understand wanting to sell people on the future. I think A.V. and Chuck both run into a bit of a brick wall there where Ron Hextall made a lot of the present for the long time about the future. And then they were expected to come in and make moves to make the future now. And they did make some of those moves. And then it felt like the future is now. And then now they're trying to sell the future again. And it's based on a totally fair reasoning. Like, I think it is a thousand percent fair that Elaine Vigneault, really, when we think about it, had... November, December, January, February and two weeks of March. So four months and two weeks of March that were normal with a new team, because the entire month of October last season was also not normal at all, and was very physically taxing on every single person involved. So I do think that his reasoning is legitimate, a thousand percent through. The problem is, is that I think here, specifically in Philadelphia, these are my people, this is my tribe, growing up a Flyers fan, very embedded in it. One, everyone was sold the future for so long, they want it now. And that's hard, because then you have to trade for a top pair defenseman who's got veteran experience, and there's like four of them in the league, and no one's going to let go of them. So, you know, there's, there's I think four really desirable people in those positions that if Flyers fans got them, they would be like, yes, we nailed it. And I don't know that any of them are truly up for sale right now or that the Flyers could afford them, to be more specific. Um, And it just last year felt like such a massive step forward. It felt like such a the correct step um the the one that everyone had been waiting for and this new regime got it done and there was a new feeling around this team and even when they were eliminated there was a new feeling around the team and um and then it's almost like pulling the leash back on the dog and i think that's that's the part where i was like massive thumbs down because i i don't think people want to buy the future anymore people want to buy the present and especially when you're talking about professional teams where they're trying to get butts and seats next season because they've lost all this money already. When you're talking about actually buying tickets, buying things, going to the games, investing in the team, people want, people want the future to be now. And people thought Carter Hart was the future. And then that felt like a step back. People thought Alain Vinio was the future. And then this year, he really didn't have, and it's not of his own fault, he really didn't have any explanation most nights. Some nights he went hard on the team and he was the accountability guy that people loved last year. And then you realize the team was playing bad for a long period of time and you can't crush them over and over again. So then he was kind of playing good cop and defending the team against reporters. And then he kind of wasn't saying anything at all. Like he was trying to take every approach. And again, that's not really his fault. Like there's only so much you can do from the bench. Um, but it, it's just, I think that's the reason why everybody's like, yeah, there's validity to what you're saying, but I don't care about it is because for so long, it was like the prospects, the draft picks, the Nolan Patricks, the Carter hearts, the this, the that, whatever. And then Nolan hits a wall and Carter hits a wall and AV is a Jack Adams finalist. And then he's a coach who doesn't have any answers the next year. And I think all of it is very frustrating because it felt like you took one big step forward. And then this year, like you took four or five back. And you don't even know if you're back at the starting line again, or if you're further behind than where you began, that's the part that I think is difficult. So, and it's going to be impossible to evaluate until again, until you have a normal season. Cause I don't think this team, I think last year they played above their expectation in part because of their confidence and their belief in each other. And I think this year they played well below their talent level because of some of the outside circumstances that then just absolutely took a bat to the knees of their confidence. And I would like to see next season where due north actually lies, because right now it's like the compass is spinning and no one knows which way is up and down. So it's just the whole thing. It's just, it's a real mess.
0: Indeed uh, that, that's why that's why it was our cold brew check presented by Duncan this season be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey there's Duncan
1: I want to tell you a story it's a story about a scandal broken relationships gossip rumors money corporate rivalry and a broom a performance enhancing broom my name is John Cullen
3: Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: A ton of questions for the Flyers. A lot of answers needed. I think the all season will be huge because that's where you can really put, uh, you know, show us, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, Flyers said a lot at their exit interviews, the all season will be where they can really prove themselves, show fans uh, that, uh, hey, it's, it's worth buying in on this team and believing in it again all season from everything from the general manager to the head coach, to the players getting better. uh, That will be, that will say the most for sure. But Taryn Hatcher, Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. Um, (laughs) We will have plenty to talk about this all season. So Flyers fans, stay tuned. Uh, We will debate and look at everything as the playoffs continue, as we lead into the expansion draft, free agency, NHL draft. We'll have it all here on Flyers Talk. But Taryn and Joe, thank you so much as always A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer. Thank you as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.